This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. Today I'll be talking about the whole armor of God. And in order to get our minds right, I'd like to read the passage from Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for, the, uh, for all saints." You see, I've heard uh, many sermons from, on Ephesians 6 on the whole armor of God. And oftentimes speakers would graze over verse 11 and 12 where he talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness. But you see, but before we get to the armor of God, let, let's discuss what we, what, why we need the armor of God. You see, nobody likes to talk about Satan. No one likes to study about him. It's not a very pleasant topic to, to talk about. But the one thing about warfare is to know your enemy. In the, bo in, in the book, uh, The Art of War, Sun Tzu, a Chinese general and military strategist said, the one who knows the enemy and knows himself will not be endangered in a hundred engagements. One who does not know the enemy but knows himself will sometimes be victorious, sometimes meet with defeat. One who know, knows neither the enemy nor himself will invariably be defeated in every engagement. So in order to become victorious, we must get to know Satan and his ways, the enemy. You see, one thing about Satan is that he's a master at his craft. In warfare, it's easier to defend yourself from, a, from an attack that you see coming it's a lot, more, a, lot a lot more difficult to defend yourself from an attack you won't see coming or you can't. You see, and this is where Satan thrives. I, I always thought all Satan wanted me, wanted me to do was the big bad sin, you know, to lie, steal, cheat, commit adultery, fornication, etc. But Satan's a lot more clever than that. Let's, let's look at an example in the book of Genesis and the fall of man. Uh, God told Adam in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. God said, you can have of any tree that you want, except for that one. That one you don't touch, you don't eat. But then here comes Satan and cunningly reworded what God had said in Genesis 3.1. You see, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You see, Satan did what he, did best, what he does best here. He said, Did God actually say, You cannot eat of any tree in the garden? You see, this half-questioning, half-insinuating remark is what Satan is so good at. He causes us to question what we've learned 
what, what we know through his lies. You see, for he is the father of lies. That's what Jesus said in John 4, 8, 8, 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And Satan still uses this tactic today. And he's got a multitude of helpers. So be warned, for they even come as angels of lights, uh, angels of light. That's what 2 Corinthians 11, 13 and 14 says. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Paul was, give, was giving the Corinthians a warning of the false teachers that will be there in those days. So now that we've learned about Satan's tactics and strategies, let us keep that in mind. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You see, don't think that Satan can't get to you, for he is as a lion, as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. I want you to think of this. If David, a man after God's own heart, can fall, shouldn't that tell you something? You see, but fear not. Paul gave us seven things to be able to protect ourselves in verse 14 through 18. Paul said, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye, ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So what is this armor of God? <clears throat> so let's look at what each piece of armor does for us. What does it mean to girt your loins with the truth? What is this? It's simply a belt or a sash that holds up your pants or your garments. It was, it's also used to hold up a person's weapon. Think of it in today's terms, a police officer. He has a belt on his, on his, on his waist that holds his handcuffs, his radio, his gun, his weapon. A belt also symbolizes preparedness. When you get prepared to go out somewhere, you put on your belt, do you not? You're getting prepared to go out, and we must be prepared. That's what Peter tells us to do. And in, um, in 1 Peter 5.8, he says to be sober, to be vigilant. He's telling us to be ready, to be watchful. Jesus said the same in, in Luke 12. Oh, sorry. In Luke 12, 35 to 37, Jesus said, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning and yourselves be like unto men that wait for their Lord. When he will return from the wedding, and when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find waiting, uh, watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself, and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. <clears throat> so why do we need to be ready with the truth? You see, one of the ways that the devil tries to destroy us is through lies and deceit, as we discussed earlier. He might not be doing it himself, but he has a, but he has others for those around us doing it for him. You see, people like to twist the meaning of scripture all the time, 
Some say, well, that's true for you. That's not for me. Jesus gave us a great example of his preparedness when he was tempted of the devil in the wilderness. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. For he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him up on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh them up into an exceedingly high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Satan came at him with his lies, but see, Jesus was prepared with the truth. He, J Satan said, make these stones into bread. Jesus said, no, man shall not live on bread alone. Satan said, throw, yourselves, uh, throw yourself and let the angels catch you. No, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Bow and worship me and I'll give you everything you want. No, I only worship the one true God. Each time Jesus defended himself with the truth, you see, this account also shows us how clever Satan is. In the second temptation, uh, Satan even used the word of God against Jesus. Think of that. I'll refer back to this passage for the rest of the armor. You see, Jesus is the perfect example of someone who put on the armor of God and used it properly. Now, the second piece of armor Paul gives us is the breastplate of righteousness. What does the breastplate do? You see, it protects the most vital organ in our body, the heart. It's a covering for the heart. The Bible says we need a heart to obey God in Romans 6, 17 through 18. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free of sin, from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. <clears throat> Hosea also made a comparison of our heart. <clears throat> Uh, our, our heart as a ground that needed to be broken up and righteousness needed to be sown in Hosea 10 through 12. So Hosea says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Jesus also made this comparison, this analogy in the parable of the sower. He talked about how some seeds will fall by the wayside, how some will fall on stony grounds, how some fell among thorns, and how some will fall on good ground. But I like to focus on, on the seeds that fell by the wayside in Matthew 13, 4. <clears throat> he said, When he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Jesus talked about a bird that came by and devoured them up. And he goes, to, goes on to explain what this parable meant in, math, in verse 19. <clears throat> he said, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in their heart. This is he which delivered seed by the wayside. 
You see, the bird is Satan, and he's wanting to pluck the seed or the word of God out of your heart. So we need to protect that just as Jesus did. Jesus had his heart set on God. The tempter said, bow down to me and I'll give you everything you want. Jesus said, no, thou shalt only worship thy God. The Lord thy God and him shall thou serve. You see, and putting on the breastplate does, does just that for us. It protects our hearts. Uh, the third piece of armor that, that Paul gives us is our shoes. He says to put on our feet, have our feet shod with the gospel of peace. You see, shoes protect our feet from glass, from stones, from rocks, from thorns, or any sharp, sharp objects that may be on the ground. You see, footwear is also a sense of readiness to either be on the move or to stand firm in place. What kind of soldier is better equipped, one with shoes or one without? I would hopefully, hopefully your answer is one with, with shoes because he is ready for whatever may come his way. And, and that's what the peace of God does for us. It allows us to stand firm in the word of God that nothing can conquer us. Not slander, not persecution, not lies, not even temptation. Think of Jesus as he was tempted of Satan. Jesus stood firm and didn't budge when Satan tempted him. Another thing that shoes are good for is walking. You see, in ancient times, soldiers had to march to every battle. They didn't have the privilege of having nice paved roads as we have today. You see, they had to trek across some rough terrain in order to conquer other nations. And we too must travel to conquer other nations. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. <clears throat> we are to conquer as well. But we're not trying to conquer the physical. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4. For, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds. You see, we are to conquer the spiritual, the souls of every man and woman. And that's what we need to do. The fourth thing that Paul tells us to pick up is our shield of faith. You see, a shield was used as a defense. As a defense. It would block arrows or deadly blows from the sword. Our faith does the same. It blocks objections, doubts, and other things that may hinder our faith. See, one thing I do want to say is that faith is not as easy as some might say. Some say that faith is just a leap in the dark. Only, only thing that Christians have is a blind faith. That couldn't be further from the truth. You see, Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is hard work. Faith involves reasoning, remembering, researching, and studying. Think of it as wielding the shield. You're not going to be able to defend yourself if you never learn how to properly use the shield, learn the tactics, the techniques, etc. The same with your faith. If you don't have a strong faith, how will you be... How will you be able to defend yourself from all the objections to Christianity, all the doubts that people may have, or even the doubts that you may have? The fifth piece of armor that Paul gives us is the helmet of salvation. Most of us know what a helmet is used for. It's to protect our head. And what's in our head? Our mind. You see, the mind is what Satan has access to 24-7, and what we watch, what we listen to, and what we read. If you wear the helmet, you can protect yourself from Satan. 
So what is the helmet of salvation? Simply, it's the law of God, knowing good from bad. Think about it. How do you know what sin is and, and, and what it isn't? That's because the laws of God are in our mind. Romans 2.15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. Jesus, when he was tempted, he knew the laws of God. And even though Satan said some things that sounded good and pleasing, Jesus knew they weren't right and hit Satan with the truth, which was the word of God. Now the final piece of armor that Paul gives us is the sword, the only piece of armor that can be used as an offense. You see, the ancient sword was short and usually two-edged and resembled a dagger. But this sword is not as that sword. This sword is of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has del delivered this sword to us. 1 Corinthians 2, 11-13 For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You see, there is no sword better than this one. That's what the Bible says in uh, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick or alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is the weapon that Jesus used against the tempter in Matthew 4. You see, a single, a single text of Scripture is better than all the philosophy the world has to offer. Think back to Genesis 3. If Eve had used the word of God instead of, using, uh, instead of resorting to her own reasoning and understanding, maybe it would have been a different outcome. And that's all we have the Old Testament to teach us and to learn, for, learn from. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now all these things have happened unto them for examples, and they were written for, ad, for our admonition upon whom the, world, the ends of the world are come. Shea may have shown us the wrong way to do it, but Jesus showed us the right way. He showed us the proper way to use the armor of God. Now, Paul also gave us, told us to, Paul gave, gave us one more important part of our armor. It's not exactly a piece of armor either. It's prayer. See, one thing is certain. It is good for a soldier to pray before going into battle, to pray for victory or to pray, or to pray that he may be prepared for death lest he should fall. Although it's not a necessity for soldiers to pray, it is for the Christian. It, is, it won't matter how skilled you are, how knowledgeable, how bold, how courageous. But without prayer, we will certainly be defeated. God alone can give the victory. And prayer is not to be occasional, but always, with every opportunity, every temptation, every spiritual conflict. Jesus said in Luke Luke 18, 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought to always to pray and not to faint. We must also pray for each other, for all saints, for we are all prone to evil, to backsliding, to becoming conformed to this world, to becoming cold or lukewarm, to enduring temptation or trial. Yet our prayers should profit them, 
It is of a comforting to know that a brother or sister is praying for you in your time of trial, is it not? It encourages you to keep going, to keep fighting. So, so now that we've studied about what we're protecting ourselves from and how we go to, about protecting ourselves, is that it? Do we simply just put on our armor and go about our day? You see, we need to train on our armor as well. We need to prove ourselves in our armor. Think of it in today's military. Who do you want fighting for you? A soldier who just received his battle dress and gun that, that same day, or a soldier who's been to boot camp, is deadly accurate with his rifle, and knows, and knows it like the back of his hand, who's been in combat before and has proven himself. I don't know about you, but I would choose the proven soldier any day. And we too must prove ourselves in our armor by training and going into battle. A great example of this is found in the biblical account of David and Goliath. When David was to go out and fight Goliath, Saul wanted David to wear his armor in order to fight him. 1 Samuel 17, 38-39. And Saul armed David with his armor and put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail, and David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off of him. You see, Saul gave David something he's never used before. David said, I can't go in this. I've never used this. I have no experience using this armor. So don't let this be you training your armor. You see, the armor is not lightweight. It is, it is very heavy. It takes time, strength, endurance. So take the time to train by yourself. Take time to devote yourself to personal study, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Also train with others, partake in group studies, attend gospel meetings, help others sharpen their swords while sharpening yours. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also ye do. He was saying to comfort each other and build each other up. So now that we've trained on our armor, let us <clears throat> so now that we've trained on our armor, let us put it on and defend ourselves and our faith. 1 Peter 3:15. It says, To be ready always, to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. The Greek word here for answer is apologia which means a defense. It's also where we get our word apologetics from, which, is a, which, is a, which means it, it, which is a reason or proof for Christianity. We need to be ready to defend our faith just as our brothers did in the early church, just as, a, a, <clears throat> just as Justin Martyr did in the 19th, or in the 19th century as William Paley did as well. You see, Justin Martyr had to defend the church from people saying that Christians were cannibals because they heard that they would partake of eating and drinking of a man's blood and flesh. Or William Paley, William Paley who popularized the watchmaker um, analogy, uh, which uh, defends the existence of God. And we too must defend our faith from all these popular objections from non-Christians. People say that the Bible is full of contradictions. You see, if God is so loving, why is there evil? If evolution explains life, why do we need God? We must also be ready to go on the offense and attack sin when it arises. Maybe it's one of our family members, a brother or sister who's stuck in sin. And if we've trained in armor, 
we'll have the pro we have the proper tools to help that person with meekness and fear. Second Timothy uh, four two, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, repro re reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Paul was exhorting his protege to be ready when it's convenient or inconvenient to reprove and or to express this, this approval, to rebuke, to criticize harshly, or to exhort, to comfort or encourage someone. So now that we've studied about the armor of God, studied about the tactic Satan uses to try to hinder our faith, let us take up the whole armor of God and do all to stand in the evil day. Remember that you are not alone in this fight. You have brothers and sisters fighting alongside you, striving for the same goal. Jesus showed us how to do it. And now it's our, time, our, our, our turn to go out and do it. So how are you going to stand? How are you going to fight? You need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. If you need to be baptized this morning or need prayers from the church, please come to the front row as we stand and sing the song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.